Hi, I'm Jack Cacciarello. And I'm Aaron Parnas. And this is Zoomed In. On this week's episode of Zoomed In, Aaron and I will talk about how young people can get involved in politics and the importance of youth organizing across the country. After that, Aaron and I are going to talk about a little bit of news coming out of the White House today, which is Jen Psaki saying that President Biden will run for a second term in 2024 and what that means for the future of the Democratic Party. After that, Aaron and I will finish up as we always do with Tweets of the Week. Aaron, we have an incredible show this week. Are you excited? I'm pumped, Jack. So let's get this thing started. Let's zoom in. Jack, let's just jump right in and hit the headlines. And let's talk about youth organizing and getting involved in politics. Now, I think that as Zoomed In and as the Gen Z kind of democratic progressive podcast out there, we really need to help folks who, like us, really didn't know where to start. So why don't you tell our viewers just a little bit about your backstory and how you got involved in politics? Yeah, absolutely. So my my story in politics started where I think a, a lot of people's stories should, um, and that was local politics. And, mm-hmm. and for me, what was most important was voter registration. Now, we all took a sixth grade, maybe so you had it in seventh grade, eighth grade. At some point, you took a mm-hmm. civics class in your life, uh, hopefully. And, and in that civics class, you learned about you know basics of government, there was some Magna Carta thrown in there. But when we started talking about, you know, voter registration, I was shocked to know that there were to not, you know, and I was in sixth grade. So cut me some slack here. But there were barriers to voting. There were steps and processes needed to be taken. Yep. Um, and, and when I started to realize that, you know, more people than I would have expected either weren't registered to vote or weren't turning out and in, in, in time that seemed, you know, you know, we had Barack Obama in the White House, but, you know, right mm-hmm. as we were gearing up for that 2016 election, I thought it was important that everyone could have their voice heard. So as, as soon as I was able to, I got out in my local community in the Orlando, the central Florida area, and I was registering people to vote. Um, and that carried over into high school where I set up a, a program in Orange County Public Schools, which I'm very proud of with a couple of friends of mine um, that allowed students within the Orange County Public School System to become certified to register to vote. And That's so they awesome. would go in their schools and register their peers. So it mm-hmm. wasn't someone showing up at a random date at a lunch table, sitting down and you know having a sign that was like, voting, voting is good, where mm-hmm. you know that doesn't really connect with young people. We talk about on this show, the messages that communicate with young people and not actually being able to speak to someone and not being approachable. It's not how you get young people involved in politics. So it was peers talking to each other about the importance of voting, that civic obligation, that duty, to defend democracy and to carry democracy over in the next generation. And so that's where I got my start was at that local level, stressing the importance of being involved and showing up and actually having a voice. Aaron, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I kind of had a different route. Um, I started off in my political career in local and not actually local campaigns and more statewide campaigns. Aaron was Um, big time. Big time, statewide and national campaigns. I mean, I just, uh, it was, I wanted to call like, into Iowa, for, for example, for presidential primaries. I was making um, door knocking and doing stuff like that for Senate races down here in Florida. Um, that, that's really re- where I got off um, back in 2016, 2015, a while ago. But since then, I've really gotten involved in the local party in Miami-Dade and Democratic Party, um, was able to grow and work um, up to where I am now, where I'm the press secretary now. But I think that getting involved in youth politics comes with, like you said, a lot of barriers um, because a lot of people 
I like to call them previously important people because there are many people in the Democratic Party who have been around since mm. um, Carter was president, since Reagan was president, since Clinton was president. And a lot of the times they might be the best volunteers out there and they might do great work. And I don't doubt that for a minute, but they, because there were barriers set for them when they were trying to enter the political arena, oftentimes they set barriers uh, for entry for younger people. And that's why they're either getting involved in local parties, um, getting involved in voter registration and outreach efforts, or even running for office, which I'm happy to talk about because local um, uh, young people have a very hard time getting involved in politics, both on the right and the left. Um, and I think that needs to change because I think that every election cycle, we ask, we ask ourselves and a lot of the political pundits ask like hypothetically, why is youth turnout less than why 15%, is it so low? Yeah. right? Sometimes why is it less than 10%? And the simple answer is, is because you don't target young voters. You don't outreach to young voters and you don't let young voters give them the responsibility to have leadership roles in campaigns, to run for office. See, if, if I saw, for example, in, uh, in Miami-Dade County, if I see a state Senate camp candidate running and she or he, they're 30 years old, they're running against a 65 year old in a primary, I'm almost always gonna be like intrigued by the 30 year old. And mm. if I'm a voter in a general election and I see someone that looks like me, that's my age, that um, speaks to the issues that I care about, I'm gonna be more motivated to go out there. If I just see the same incumbent winning all the time, what, what, what motivates me to get out there and vote if, if, if I'm not actually voting for anything other than the same old, same old, right? So yeah, I think absolutely. that- yeah, I mean, I think that getting involved in, um, if I had to say that the, the, the best way for a young person to get involved right now is to get involved with the local Democratic or Republican parties um, and also get involved with like the young youth groups. So like the young Democrats, the, um, they're like college, college campuses, college you're Democrats. Start your yeah. own, start a club, start a conversation. High school Democrats, um, open up a Midas University chapter, like things there like that. Go, absolutely. That's, that's where you start. And then just start working, just start getting on the ground, knocking doors, registering voters. And you're going to catch a lot of people's attention because a lot of people talk a lot, but not a lot of people do a lot. And if you're yeah. out there registering voters, there's no, there's no reason why a governor, a gubernatorial candidate or a Senate candidate won't see that and be like, oh, come on our team. Yeah, that matters. Um, it matters a lot. And, you know, one thing that I'm looking forward to um, by the time, oh, maybe by the time that you're listening to this, I will be sadly leaving uh, my temporary home state of New Hampshire and going back for my uh, my winter break, my Thanksgiving break, and I'll be back in Florida. And, you know, I'm going to be getting in late kind of on Wednesday. Um, but I could not be more excited that Friday after Thanksgiving, I may do Friday, may do Saturday, uh, may do both. Uh, get out and register some voters in Florida. That's I'm awesome. Back, and I'm excited. And I have friends who are like, absolutely, you're back from school. I'm back from school. Do you know it'd be a fun way to hang out? Let's go do some voter registration. That's awesome. I think that's I think that's awesome you know, getting out of a pandemic, let's spend more time outside. And if you're going to do it, and if you want to interact with some people kind of get, we may have lost a little bit of those social cues when we are all stuck, uh, you know, stuck inside. I know it happens to the best of us, but you know, you want to work on those. Mm -hmm. You want to work on your, uh, your, your party chatter, just go register some voters, just go knock doors. Why not? It's a great conversation. People, yeah. people want to talk to you and people want to have their voices heard. And that's something that Beto does an incredible job of, you know, we're talking about these important gubernatorial races coming up. Beto does an incredible job of, and I, and, you know, our, our hopeful gubernatorial candidate, Stacey Abrams, does a fantastic job of, and we've talked about this before, 
not people who have never voted, but those mm-hmm. disaffected voters are such a huge piece of our electorate that we forget about. And that is, that's important to think about those people as we move forward and think about how Democrats message. Because yeah. if, we are, if, if we're creating you know, these big chunks of the electorate that just don't feel connected to the Democratic Party, we need to know why, right? Because we're trying to work for them. So if we have those conversations, yeah. it betters our party. No, I, I fully agree with you. And I think as a young person, if you really want to get involved, if, you, if you're like motivated politically, run for office, run yeah. for a school board position, run for a city council position. I mean, I think I saw recently someone 17 years old up in Northeast was elected to a city council position. We have someone in Broward County, Florida school board running 17 years old. That Here's the thing. You can run for office as young as 17, 16, 18 years old in some places. It depends on the age, some places a little older, but there's really, you don't really learn about the political process until you're in the political process and you Mm. can't change law unless you're the one changing it, right? You can talk a lot, you can advocate a lot, you can go lobby your senators, your congressmen, your state and local officials, but if you're not the one there doing it, don't expect what your idea, don't expect your ideas to get past. And what you're going to find is that you're, there are a lot of barriers to entry. And that's very unfortunate. And I've been trying to break those barriers down. It's no secret that I've been thinking about running. Um, and I've encounter, encountered a lot of barriers to entry in my kind of political process in Florida. Um, and I've been trying to break them down so that in the future, people like me don't have to face them. I mean, I'm only 22 years old. Uh, there are people younger than me interested in running for office. And I think that having that knowledge, that institutional knowledge and that training kind of like academy or structure for young people to get involved um, is so important. Because right now, if you're 16 years old, if you're 17, 18 years old, and you're like, oh, I want to run for my school board, no one tells you it, that you're going to have to- Yeah, it doesn't seem feasible because you, you haven't seen it necessarily done and you're not going to get, probably, I'm not going to say probably because you know that's kind of the pessimistic mm-hmm. out, you know, expectation, but Support for young people. It, it's crazy that we'll see, you know, Senator Dianne Feinstein or, you know, Chuck Grassley is obviously 347 mm-hmm. years old and he's still serving in the United mm-hmm. States Senate. But it seems like a, a radical idea for someone in their 20s who's representative of the next generation who's inheriting this, uh, inheriting mm-hmm. this uh, democracy. That what, Why is it crazy for them to run? Why is it well, crazy... For them to want to be in a public position, a position of public trust. It's not crazy. And, you know, the thing is, it's like not many people know what it's like to run for office because you never do it. Right. So, like, no one tells you that if you're running for a school board position, you have to raise anywhere from forty thousand to one hundred thousand dollars. No one tells you that you could be raising this money months in advance by opening up what is like a pack, for example, in Florida and just start raising money from family and friends. No one tells you that. You need to hire potentially a political consultant or you need to have a campaign manager. No one tells you how to cut turf and NGP and ban. No one tells you about digital strategy and how to write emails properly and get where to get email lists from, right? You don't have this institutional knowledge. And the reason why in a lot of ways is because the people who have the institutional knowledge are the ones that don't want to give up their power, that don't mm. want to give up their seats. Absolutely. When they see a young person wanting to get involved and kind of break those barriers, they kind of close off, right? They build the barriers a little higher because they want to keep their power. And we need to change that. And the only way to change that is by running 
young people in office. For example, in Florida, we have the potentially the first Gen Z or in Congress in Maxwell Frost up in Orlando. There's Running a Republican Val Demings seat. Yeah, it's yeah. an incredible race. It really there's is. A there's a Republican woman, um, also potential Gen Z in New Hampshire. I mean, not as incredible. I, I have had not an interaction as with her. Um, sure. I'm going to say not the same level of a candidate as Maxwell is. Definitely I, not even remotely on the same playing field. Anyone who wants to sit next to Madison Cawthorn for an hour uh, uh, intentionally and talk with him and inside with, you know, Representative Cawthorn is not someone that I think belongs in Congress. But yes, it would be historic. And we are seeing well, so that all, all I'm saying, I'm, I'm not supporting her. Or anything. Of course, just, of course. I'm just saying like, like the same thing with Madison Cawthorn. I don't support him at all, but he is 26 years old or something. Mm -hmm. And and that's a big deal. Right. Because it shows that young people can get to the highest echelons of power. Um, and if we see, for example, a John Ossoff, who's in his early or mid 30s, I forget how old he was, um, potentially running for president before he turns 40 years old. Mayor Pete was running when he was in his late 30s, early 40s. President Obama was in his mid 40s. I mean, that's the type that we need. We, we usually have our, our Democrats running for office. It just, our, it, I'm sorry, but no. With the exception of President Biden, our Democratic presidents lately have been, yeah. you know, on the younger side of the average age of where a president's going to be. You look at, you know, Barack Obama when he was a senator running for president. The same is true of Bill Clinton yeah. and Jimmy Carter and, and obviously JFK. Um, that is where our party should be focused and it should be focused on young people. And Aaron, you know, you brought this up. So, you know, I'm going to feel comfortable asking you about it, but. What has gone into, and I think the listeners would love to hear, this is the Zoomed In podcast, I'd love to hear about a Zoomer's experience and consideration. What has been your thought process with the consideration of running for office? When did that, when did that you know, become something that you were really thinking about and, and you know, been chewing on? Yeah, so personally, I've been thinking about it now for about four to six months. Um, granted, I've, I've kind of always had a thought that I wanted to run and get involved in politics in more of a representative role for a while, but I haven't really started seriously thinking about it until kind of seeing uh, what the playing field is like in Florida, um, what Smart seats man. are going to open up, thinking things like that. So I, I, I would say for the past four to six months, I've started more seriously thinking about it, and especially the past two to three months, I've been very seriously thinking about it. And for me, I did something apparently that was a little unprecedented. I reached out to every or almost every elected Democratic official and representative in Miami-Dade County, in my area. And I asked for lunch meetings, coffee meetings, dinner meetings, just meetings. Um, some I shadowed in their offices. Um, some, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it was great with Senator Pizzo, um, and I would do it again. But I was able to build relationships with several of those elected officials. Some were a lot more open than others, but everyone I reached out to and everyone who responded to me was gracious, was nice and was and almost always all the time told me i wish more people did this i wish more people reached out so that was my first thing i reached out to everyone and i was like i just want to have a conversation with you and i want to get your advice and of course when you reach out to 50 people you get 50 varying viewpoints and a lot of people told me it's not my time don't run a lot of people told me i would support you it's it, your candidacy would be amazing and i think you would be you would do great either in the state house or whatnot um after that, I also reached out to several consultants who were big in the Miami-Dade area, got also several varying opinions from those consultants, opinions that were different from the actual elected officials. And there's always one consultant you can trust. Jack. <laughs> um, but one yes, one that, opinion you, know, you can always trust. 
Yeah. I mean, I reached out to consultants, elected officials. Then I reached out to, I also became in the senior levels of the party in the meantime and became very well connected with certain donors and certain activists in the party. Um, and then finally, like, I just kind of like looked at right now, I'm waiting to make a final decision, obviously, because of how um, gerrymandering and how the maps are going to play out in Florida. Um, but uh, up until now, it was really just looking at the area I was in, cutting some turf, seeing how many Democratic voters, how many Republican voters, how many independents, type of issues that matter to these voters, um, and really making kind of like a campaign strategy. If I were to jump in, what a campaign would look like. And up until this point, like I said, I'm still undecided. I'm leaning actually not to run right now um, because I have a lot of exciting projects coming up. Um, and I know that I can run in the future if I wanted to. Like I said, I'm only 22 years old, but there's still a chance. And depending on how the maps are drawn and what seats open up, because things are constantly shifting here in Florida, um, we'll see. But it really took months of meetings and schmoozing and schmoozing, um, schmoozing and just getting to know people um, and getting your name out there. Because the biggest thing is name recognition and wider and and at the same time, going to events um, and volunteering and doing everything you would, um, but, but doing it not because you want to run for office, but, but because you just want to get your name out there and you want to help the community, um, a little bit of both. Um, and I think the biggest thing and the best advice I've ever received in this process is like, it doesn't matter what you do in front of the cameras and like when people are watching, it matters what you do when people aren't watching, right? So like, I don't go to these events and like take pictures with people because I want to post them. I go and if people take pictures of me, that's great, right? But that's not why I go there. I go there to do, like, to volunteer or whatever. Um, and I think I, any young person should just try to do that, get involved in their communities as much as possible, meet as many people as possible. And don't be shy to ask. Don't be shy to reach out to an elected official, email them, text them, call them, and say, hey, I want to meet with you. Hey, tell me this. Tell me how you got involved. Because and most of the time, these elected officials have the same similar backstory that you and I do. So yeah. And that's going to be my biggest takeaway from what you've said is my, my favorite thing is that you said, I reached out to 50 people and maybe 50 wasn't the number. Maybe it was 46, maybe it was 53. Yeah, right? It was definitely more. But it was, yeah. it was a, a consider I knowing you were, I know it was more, <laughs> but that's what you did. You reached out and yeah. that's what we always stress to do with young people. I, uh, I got my first job at the, at the national level as an intern with the Lincoln Project because mm -hmm. I sent an email to the Lincoln Project email asking if they needed interns. That's when in, the team of interns was about eight people. I, you just reached out. And, and I think that's the most important thing that, that young people can do. And I think that's also a broader lesson for what we need to be doing as a Democratic Party is reaching out to people. It's having conversations. Like you said, they don't all have to be flashy. They don't yeah. have to be perfect. I don't need my talking points lined up. Sometimes it's just good to have a conversation with someone and actually connect and know what they care yeah. about and take that knowledge and do something with it. So before we get to talking about President Biden, um, I, I just think that was important for us to talk about. And, and you know, Aaron, I don't want to cut you off because it's like your you know, really amazing you know, discussion. I think everyone's super intrigued Thanks. by this, but- is there anything you want to close with, you know, talking about this, what you like, what you've learned from this process? I think that it's going to, if, if you are listening to this and you have family members interested in running or you want to run yourself, um, expect it to be the loneliest and the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. And I haven't run yet. 
but I've already experienced it. It, for example, you got, you're going to have to ask a lot of people for a lot of money and people who you think will give you money, won't give you money. People who you think will give you a lot of money, will give you a little money. And people who you think will give any money won't return your phone calls. People who you talk to and who are your friends won't talk to you anymore because they think you're just going to ask them for money or ask them for help. People in the community don't see you as viable in the political community until you raise a lot of money, but you can't raise a lot of money unless you're viable. So it's this constant like loop. It's hard, but a lot of people need to do it. And if you're out there and you want to do it and you just don't know how, or I don't care what, where you are in the country, I, I will help you. Um, I might not know people in that community, but I will help you through this process. I'll make it a little less lonely because it is a very lonely process. And if you don't do it, no one else will do it for you. I completely agree. And it's, yeah. it's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Like I, I'm, I'm so excited to see the feedback and like what people have to say. And yeah. you know, definitely going to carry this in the next episode because I definitely want to talk about it more. You know, pivoting mm-hmm. into another important and historic election, that would be President Biden saying uh, on Monday, Jen Psaki um, was asked about yeah. President Biden possibly running for re-election in 2024. Now, I'd like to preface this by saying no sitting president in uh, who hasn't even surpassed a year of being in office mm-hmm. would ever say, nah, I'm not running again. Nah, I'm fine. One year's cool. I'm going to sit this out. I may take the last two off, you know? I may... Okay. Uh, I may get some rest. No, that's not going to happen because obviously they would lose their mandate. They'd be basically a lame duck president. That's not going to happen. But even in, in President Biden's closest circle of advisors, the reports have been that he believes that he's running for reelection. Yes. And why this is so important is because we have had some reports coming out. Obviously, Aaron, you know, you and I have been talking about this lately of the mm-hmm. vice president's office, maybe saying that Vice President Kamala Harris isn't playing the role that she'd necessarily like to in this administration and feels that she may be being overshadowed by, by Pete Buttigieg uh, or Mitch Landry, uh, who's now coming in to oversee this infrastructure package uh, and, and how it's, you know, we're you know, getting infrastructure done across the country. And, and there's this, you know, growing media narrative about 2024 and what that looks mm-hmm. like for Democrats. And what, what we know from our experience of the 2020 election is the last thing that this party needs is 30 people attacking each other, trying to say why they should be president. Yeah. And we don't need to focus on, you know, if Pete is better than, you know, Vice President Harris or you know, if we'd rather see Elizabeth Warren hop in the race or what about Amy Klobuchar or should, you know, Gavin Newsom jump? We don't need that. Right. What we need to focus on is defeating the fascist far right movement of the Republican Party. So if Joe Biden does run in 2024, is that a, and this is a, a, a big question, do you think that's what Democrat, that, do you think that is the best outcome for the Democratic Party? Not yes. talk, Joe Biden, not yet has Joe Biden won or lost. Right. We haven't seen poll numbers. We don't know who he's running against. It could be Ron DeSantis. It could be Donald Trump. It could be all the hell I know, Chris Christie. Is yeah. this good for Democrats? Is that, is that what Democrats want as a party is for Joe Biden to run? Yeah, I think it is. Um, and I'll tell you why. So unlike AOC and Rashida Tlaib and the squad, I didn't elect Joe Biden to be FDR. I elected Joe Biden to be a moderate um, kind of 
calm presence after the past four years of Trump. And that's what we've gotten in a lot of ways. And, and I, I think, elected, yeah, I think I just, sorry, so, just, I think that that's yeah, what a lot of voters have said as well. For sure. And I elected him to do that for the first four years. But now that he's going to have the first full term, I expect the second term to be more of that FDR, like that revolutionary change um, that Biden will be able to accomplish in office, right? After we've had that four year settling period where we get some good bills passed, we get some, we get the social spending bill passed, hopefully in the next four years, we actually see Biden tackle more of the issues that I care about that everyday Americans care about from student loan relief to um, healthcare to more investment in climate, things like that, which he won't have the opportunity to do during the first four years because he's still working on, for example, just rebuilding our um, allies, our, our relationships with allies overseas. So that's why I do think it's important that he runs again. And I think he really, it's important that he takes that mantle of, I'm the leader of the Democratic Party. AOC is not the leader. The squad isn't the leader. Nancy Pelosi isn't the leader. I'm the leader. I'm the president and I'm the leader. And that's what he needs to do in 2024. I think if you have anyone else running, if They're you not, have an open primary again, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be it's a bloodbath. It's going to be a mess. And I think we'd lose. One, it's going to be a mess. I, yeah, I agree. We lose because I think that whoever the Republicans are going to nominate, they're going to have a lot more money um, it, unless the president's running for reelection because he'll be able to raise a lot of money himself. But if it's a primary, there won't be. And for example, if DeSantis runs, he'll already have over a hundred million dollars come 2024. Um, and also Democrats are going to spend months beating themselves up. Whereas if they have a presidential candidate, let DeSantis Trump and Nikki Haley and Marco Rubio, let them all attack each other in a primary while president Biden's riding high, right? Let them all do that. We don't need, that's, that's the whole thing about an incumbency. And the last time an incumbent lost before Trump was way back when way far like t over 20 years ago mm -hmm. so incumbency is strong the vision of air force one is strong and remember trump was down significantly in the polls and people counted trump out trump almost won had it not been for COVID, in my opinion trump would have won because of the power of the incumbency and i think joe biden needs to keep that power and i think he's the best chance at winning in 2024 and i'll say think? this i'll say this for i'm going to advocate on behalf of this is the best outcome for Democrats mm -hmm. because imagine Joe Biden with a Senate that works in a house majority, mm -hmm. things look a lot different. Now, Joe Biden did something that not Democrats, not just Republicans, all politicians rarely do, which is in the 2020 primary, he was more to the center of his party than he yeah. was in the 2020 general. Joe Biden has the capacity as a leader to mm -hmm. listen to what Democrats are telling him. He will change his mind. He will change his policy. He has shifted uh, to, uh, he has taken a more progressive stance on how we need to act on climate. And I mm -hmm. agree, Biden was elected. And what you heard from the independents, who I believe is the reason why Joe Biden was elected, why we were able to win Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, mm -hmm. former Trump voters, Republicans voting for Joe Biden, along with the incredible turnout that we had by progressives in Georgia. It is a broad coalition, but I think a lot of the sentiment was that we want to return to a bit of normalcy. Yes. Right? And if that normalcy is good governance, if that normalcy is, is a historic bill that has needed to be passed, infrastructure, that normalcy is 
capping insulin at $35 a month, if that normalcy is cutting child poverty in half, if that normalcy is investing billions into climate, if that normalcy is investing billions into roads and bridges, people are going to, this coalition is going to expand and it should. And this coalition will expand in what they believe Joe Biden's role in the White House should be. And if that means as well, expanding our Senate majority, retaining our House majority, then it's time for Joe Biden to start passing some sweeping legislation, which I think he'll be capable of doing. But yes, Joe Biden was elected to end the cancer of Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. He was elected to defeat Trumpism. And that didn't happen. He didn't defeat Trumpism. He defeated Donald Trump, but he won 306 electoral votes. And we barely won the Senate. And we lost seats in the House. Wasn't a sweeping win. What we need is Joe Biden to continue to beat Trump until Trumpism is gone. Now, beating Trump takes the form of making sure that Kevin McCarthy is not Speaker of the House, that Mitch McConnell does not have, is not Senate Majority Leader. Yes. Or, you know, Josh Hawley or fucking Ted Cruz. That's what beating Trumpism is. Making sure that the, making sure that the coalition that we put together makes it, makes a disincentive for Republicans to act this way. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're not going to change unless the political incentive structure changes, because that's what they operate on. They operate on what's going to put me in power, what's going to get my clip across the media, what's going to get me more fundraising dollars, what's Mm going to get me more money from big oil, from big pharma. That's what they care about. And so until these incentives are changed. Trumpism is going to exist. Trumpism exists because it seems still to the Republicans to be a winning strategy. And that's why you have Kevin McCarthy rambling like someone who just had their wisdom teeth removed on the House floor for eight hours. And I'd also like to say about Kevin McCarthy, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent right now, but Kevin McCarthy is such, and I'm going to, sorry for my language, Kevin McCarthy is such a fucking moron, a, a complete idiot, because him rambling for eight hours, it was great for Democrats. It's us showing, hey, the leader of the Republican Party in the House is so against, is so against funding roads and bridges, so against delivering better and more affordable health care for Americans, is so against the wealthy paying paying their fair share of taxes that he'll speak for eight hours like a moron on the House floor. Mm -hmm. And not only that, Kevin McCarthy gave Democrats a gift instead of passing that bill at one o'clock in the morning. We are able to do it in prime time. 11.30 a.m., baby. Kevin McCarthy, bad at politics. That's my rant. I'm sorry. Kevin McCarthy, no, bad, it, at, it, it, bad it's at politics. A, it's a good bad rant. And, and you're right. And Jack, on that note, we have hit the headlines. Yeah, we you have. Know, We've hit Kevin it's, McCarthy. It's, it, we have hit Kevin McCarthy. It's a shorter week because it's Thanksgiving. Um, so eat now some let's, stuffing, let's eat go. some turkey, eat and some green ju- bean casserole. Yeah. Let's and get let's, the sweets of the week. Let's, let's do it, Jack. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Aaron, is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from reaching your goals? Yeah, it's Ted Cruz calling Big Bird government propaganda. Ted Cruz always interferes with my happiness. I'm going to be excited when he doesn't anymore because he will be out of the Senate in 2024. You know, I can't wait to. And, you know, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist to help you um, get back your happiness. And, you know, you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. It's not a Christ line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. 
And there is a broad range of expertise available, which may, which may not be locally available in many areas. And the service is available for clients worldwide. And you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you would with traditional therapy. Now, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if, if needed. And it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. Now, BetterHelp wants you to start living your happier life today, Jack. Yeah, so visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily, and you will know that BetterHelp is right for you. Visit betterhelp.com backslash zoomed in. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So use special offer zoomed in and listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash zoomed in. And now it's time for Tweets of the Week. Our first tweet comes from Jennifer Quantis. Jennifer says, my son's basketball team has a grandpa that shows up to every game in a MAGA hat. Tonight, I'm aware of this to the game. And it is a picture of Jennifer. This was all over Twitter. Jennifer mm-hmm. is wearing a hat, a red hat that looks like a MAGA hat. Of course, it is not. It says, major look, Black Lives Matter, which I think that's badass. Right. Show up in that. That's awesome. Yep. Our next tweet comes from one day at a time. It says, my political views are mostly that I want people to be alive and have what they need. Apparently, that's controversial. I don't think it should be. I I don't think it should be either. The Democrats definitely don't think it should be. And our final tweet of the week comes from Jennifer Rubin. Jennifer says, at the end of this, referring to Kevin McCarthy's rambling Mm -hmm. nonsense, Kevin McCarthy will still be a pathetic weakling struggling for Trump's approval. We have to remember that that is as scary as they are. Um, that is what Marco Rubio is. That's what Rick Scott is. That's what Ron DeSantis is. Yep. That's what Kevin McCarthy is. And that's why 100%. we have to beat them because we have to beat Trump. And we have to beat Trumpism. And that's how we'll protect democracy. And that is Tweets of the Week. And that is our show. Thank you so much for tuning in every Wednesday and every Thursday live on Twitter to the Zoomed In podcast. If you have not already, please subscribe, leave a review, click that button, smash the subscribe button, as they say. Absolutely destroy it. Yes. Uh, Like you're going to destroy some Thanksgiving turkey. And (laughs) if you're with your family, you're with your friends, you're having a Friendsgiving, you're having a work Thanksgiving, whatever you want to call it. You're going to pass a plate. You're going to pass some turkey, maybe some yams. Maybe you're going to pass some stuffing. You should also pass the knowledge of the Zoomed In podcast. If you enjoy our show, we would really enjoy you talking about it, sharing it. And word of mouth, it's fantastic. It doesn't just have to be on Twitter. We love if you say, hey, you know, Aaron, this is my friend Aaron that I'm talking to. Hey, Aaron, I'm listening to this great podcast, and I'd love for you to check it out. That would mean the world to us. It really, really would. and, and we'd really appreciate it. And if you do tweet at us and we will send you virtual hugs because you yes. are awesome. Uh, who else is awesome, Aaron? Our editor, Adam Salt. Yeah, is Adam's incredible. awesome. We would like to, uh, it's Thanksgiving. That's what I'm thankful for. We're thankful week. for Adam. Adam, I'm thankful for Aaron. We are thankful. Thankful for you, Jack. <laughs> thankful for Adam. 
because he is an incredible editor. He gets the show done every week. He makes sure that maybe you're listening to it. If you're listening to it, Adam does that. If you're watching it on Twitter and you're like, wow, those graphics are amazing. Aaron looks really good. Um, that's Adam. Uh, and you he know, put special Jack, filters on Aaron to make Jack, it look better. You, you just seem to like talking a lot tonight. So as we continue, <laughs> where can the viewers find you so they can listen to you talk even more? If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at JD Cacciarella. That's J-D-C-O-C-C-H-I-A-R-E-L-L-A or Jack Cacciarella. TikTok. Aaron, where can the people find you? At Aaron Parnas on all platforms. See how easy that was, Jack? It was so easy. I loved it. Check um, him out on YouTube. He's incredible. Oh, yeah. Thank, yeah. Please check me out on YouTube. And thank you guys for zooming in with us. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. And we will see you next week.